0: Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. Join Prize Picks, America's number one fantasy sports app with more than 3 million members. You can win up to 25 times your money by picking more or less. Download the app today and use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. New game day shirt? Boom, cashback.
1: Food for the tailgate? Boom, cashback. Even buying a round can earn you cashback when you use your debit card with Discover Cashback Debit. Everyone can earn cashback on everyday purchases. Look, in sports, it's hard to predict who's taking the W. But you know what's a guaranteed win? Discover Cashback Debit. Oh, and did I mention there are no fees? Period. I'm telling you, this one is a real game-changer. Check out transaction, eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashbackdebit. Discover Bank, member FDIC.
0: You're listening to the Men in Blazers Media Network, Suboptimal Radio. And De Bruyne. And Holland! The champion
1: shine
2: away! A giant moment from a giant man!
0: it's rog it's wednesday and what have we just witnessed a battle between first and second in the premier league oh up there with the bride versus the crazy 88 and kill bill bruce lee versus handing into enter the dragon manchester city delirious Circling the wagons has never felt more circly. Oh, how seismic is tonight. We will discuss and also dive into the news about Jesse Marsh's on again, off again, resurrection as a saint. And we will do it live here on AMP. If you're with us on AMP right now, welcome. I want your reactions, I want your questions, I want your feelings. Request the call in. We'll move you up to the stage. We'll get you up tonight, even if there's four people there blocking it. Take, be patient. We'll get you on up. And if you're not here on AMP, do you even order guard? Download the app. The link's all over our social. Or click the link to listen on your desktop. You can always listen by saying, hey, Alexa, play Men in Blazers. And I want to raise my third first bud of the day. Well, first to Liverpool fans and their football club and their global fan base. Today, after an independent report into the truly horrific, chaotic scenes at last year's Champions League final um, between Liverpool and Real Madrid, uh, the report said, number one, they almost led to disaster. And number two, they were the responsibility of UEFA. And you might remember UEFA and the French authorities in the immediate aftermath blamed ticketless fans for the events. The report said there is, quote, no evidence to support these reprehensible claims. And I found those claims in the moment. They were the claims issued during the game. Just so disgusting for anyone who knows their football, especially after the Hillsborough disaster when exactly the same things happened to Liverpool fans who were scapegoated by the government and the police for years in the most horrific way the report even acknowledged the parallels between Hillsborough 1989 and Paris 2022 are palpable I feel for the Liverpool fans there must be a lot of shock and anger and despair and sadness um, so many Reds fans must have read that report and wept, um, and I raised this glass really to them and hope that UEFA will take full responsibility. I'm aware how naive and ridiculous that sounds. Even as I say those words, President Seferin has, of course, said absolutely nothing. I say to better days ahead for all, we deserve better as football fans. But let's get right into it. Tonight's enormous clash, an epic rumble, Arsenal 1, Manchester City 3, first versus second, Arteta's hair helmet versus Pep's manic ball. pate, poor Arsenal limping in, waving their PGMLL apology with grievance, Pep Guardiola chasing a title, whose governing body, his awarder, the Premier League is out to get him in his mind. Screaming maniacally before the game, you want a title, then fight? That was my Klopp accent. Winner goes top of the table. We knew that. We also knew going into it, the cruel part of all this from an Arsenal POV was that this game was meant to be played in October when Arsenal were, remember, on quite scintillating form. But the Queen's passing prevented it instead. The game had to be played when Arsenal were in a deep, deep wobble. Lost to Everton. Then drew in Brentford. Arsenal, we knew, were in a blip. We always knew they'd have one. We always knew that their response to that blip ultimately would define the title race. In response against City, that's what we wanted to see tonight. City, who have been Arsenal's true overlord, the Gunners had lost their last 10 top flight games against Pep Guardiola's side. They'd scored just three times, they conceded 26. That's a crime scene of a record. We know they're not yet lost at home this season. It would get worse for Arsenal before kickoff. Arsenal fans, how hard was it for you to have news filter out this afternoon that Thomas Partey? More than the footballer, Arsenal's security blanket was out due to a tight muscle. And it, agent Jorginho uh, would be in. him. He actually proved to be quite a fine replacement in that first half to the game. Just say it was very weird to have a Premier League match at which Will Ferrell was not present. Defiant Hale Pep said before kickoff, we have to be aggressive, handle rhythm, and pressure, they're going to pressure us, the, the fans, the referee, the players. God, he almost saw it into the future. He said, we have to be so active, so very active in <laughs> many things. Um, and that's pretty well how the game played out. Both teams in that first half took turns to test each other watching two UFC fighters gripple grapple in a prolonged ground game through the opening rounds, testing each other's strengths, their weaknesses, probing for vulnerabilities. Haaland flashed the ball across the face of goal. Zinchenko spanked a cross off Nketchia's head. But poor Eddie got the mechanics so hopelessly wrong as Arsenal attempted to assert themselves, but then tragedy. Grealish charge down Tommy Yasu, who'd been selected over the out-of-form Ben White. Really a non-threatening situation. The kind of situation that happens to a fullback maybe a dozen times a game. Let me try to knock the ball back to his goalkeeper. But as he did so, you could see a face turn to panic and then suddenly turn into howling agony. He'd sold Aaron Ramsdale, hopelessly short. And the slow-motion shots that we saw in close-up. Honestly, something cinematically on par with David There's finer shots in planet Earth, the doom face of Tommy Yasu, he knew, he knew the second he'd hit it, the dead eyes of KDB, the joy of Grealish and City fans, as Kevin De Bruyne. really, if you're going to draw up a short list of human beings in the world, you would not want to. Swooping onto the ball in that position, I think KDB would top everyone's list. So clinical, so ruthless, took a gamble, steamed in on the off chance the pass would be short, swooped and was rewarded. God, he just caressed that ball over Ramsdale, and there was an eternity. That's what it felt like no noise at all at the Emirates. The air being sucked out of the place in disbelief. First goal. Since the end of October for KDB and one which put City top of the table, an agony for Arsenal fans that the goal was caused by their own hand. But credit their team; they responded admirably. They charged back at Manchester City. Zaha swung and catcher who rounded Edison, the shot was cleared off the line. But the referee, what? He gave a penalty. We didn't know what for. We were at a loss. Was it for the clearance off the line? What could it possibly be? We saw Edison had clattered into a... Eddie after the shot. A foul. Yes, certainly anywhere else on the field. But you don't call that against goalkeepers. Or if you did, my lord Jordan Pickford would give away a dozen penalties a game. Oddly, Edison, already on the yellow card for time-wasting, wasn't given a second. So let's just say lots of creative decision-making all over the place. A penalty we just never see. Pep's paranoia, and sense of conspiracy would have shot up to 11 in that moment. Was it a penalty? We can discuss, but let's just say. Last game, referees take it the four away. In this one, it felt like referees give a us- Saka stepped up to take the penalty A Kid with prior trauma from the spot. The ref actually iced him. The pressure, my lord, in that moment, Edison pointed to where he wanted Saka to shoot it. And Saka hit it there anyway. Ice, ice, baby. Still more. Rodri hit the bar on the stroke of half time. You could tell that City knew just how much of a battle that they'd been in because, my lord, there was just so much aggro, so many fouls that they had to unleash to counter Arsenal's intensity, their game craft throughout the game. Really remarkable, the manifestation. Of both managers, you saw Arteta on the sideline, not averse to drawing KDB to some pushy-pushy with some rarely seen manager shit How City ratcheted up their focus, their speed. Arsenal tried to match it with their press. It was all irresistible force meets an immovable, young, dashing, big, dreaming object. Experience versus aspiration. Panic versus fear. We had it all. Could it hold? There was a the panic of Haaland. Winning a penalty. Holland had gotten goal side of Gabriel, who pulled him down. But he got on goal side by being offside. And the game soured for a spell. Edgy Game of time-wasting and elbows and slice shoves in the back. City could seemingly do whatever they wanted to Saka. City, though, started to edge it. Jorginho cleared a trickler off the line. And then it happened. Gabriel, some slop. City pounced. Harlan rolled the ball toward Ogunduan, who brilliantly let it run. And on like a rugby player, shuttling the ball down the line. And then it fell to Jack Grealish. a $139 million man. All that money. All that pressure. And he unleashed in one massive moment. stroked the ball. Poor Tommy Yasu deflected it slightly. Enough to rear over Ramsdale. Help punch the turf in agony. As Greal slid away. I did it. I did it. Third Premier League goal this season. So much triumph. A goal that could define the season. He almost, almost ripped his shirt off. Remember that last second, he didn't have his chest wig on and decided to save his abs reveal for the after party. Arsenal reeling City, experienced, ruthless assassins, finished them off in this moment. Stunning team goal. KDB spanking a pullback at Haaland, who reacted really like an apex predator. Two touches. The first somehow corralling the ball at speed. Second, lashing it home. The Norwegians' first goal against a big six team on the road. Peter Drury called it a giant moment from a giant man! His 30-second goal all comps in 30 games this season. But the roar he omitted... Primal, audible, faintly, all around the world. I swear I heard it resound against my windows here in Bedford, New York. It came from deep within Haaland. A roar of wounded pride, of wagon circles, of City coming and taking what is theirs by right. Really an agony for Arsenal. The two points stolen from them in the last game. And now this. Arsenal still have that game in hand, but another match against City to play at City. So much football still to come. You know, Arsene Wenger once told me that the hardest thing about being a manager is to stop one defeat turning into two, and two turning into, his words, a doom spiral. And Arteta must prove he can prevent a doom spiral starting this weekend against Aston Villa. But it's hard to leave this game, big picture, as an Arsenal fan, without seeing the different levels in the squads the two coaches have at their disposal. Just the tools they have in total. And also, even in doing so, the two are connected to admire the truly incredible job Mikhailov Teta's doing to make this the true title race that it is. City deserve the victory. They withstood the white-hot heat of Arsenal at their best for most of the first half and had the talent, the experience, the belief, the guile, and the explosive might to enforce their will in that second-half trip to raucous Nottingham Forest on the banks of the River Trent now awaits. Will there be any anti-climax of a performance after this one? I don't think so. 51 points both teams. City ahead on goal difference. Arsenal's eight points lead. Eaten away. That is the trauma. That is the hollowing out. But a lot of football still to come. 15 more games for City. 16 more for Arsenal. But I'm still struck by the City fans chant from the weekend, the Villa game. We're Man City. We cheat when we want. <sighs> That is going to be the motif of the season for both City fans and for the rest of the league. What a climax. If City do win, it would be like watching Iceland run all over the Mighty Ducks at the end of D2. With Arteta, of course, in the Gordon Bombay role. Miguel Delaney wrote this this morning in The Independent. An Arsenal title win will give the Premier League an image of competitive balance and vitality. A Manchester City win. Makes it look like it's just become the preserve of a sports-washing project. Those are the stakes. Those are the stakes. Come up with your questions. I'll take them in one second. But in other Champions League news, Dortmund are still playing Chelsea. 1-0 to Dortmund as we pod. More on that to come when the game goes final. Oh, but that dortmund TFO pre-match. Go and find it on our social. It is a thing of beauty. Huge, huge banner. With the phrase, and every time it was worth standing by your side, the journey will always go on. An attitude between fans and team that I love so much. Todd Burley was there, was seen taking a photo of the yellow wall, for which you will probably now be asking, what's its release clause? God. Across London, Tottenham, a dire performance against AC Milan yesterday in every sense of that word. They're still alive at just one nil down with the home leg to play. But only thanks to the fact that Milan's finishing was as woeful as theirs. Two massive league games against West Ham and then Chelsea to come in their dream of a top-four tilt. Interesting story in the Financial Times today. Iranian-American billionaire Jean Najafi is preparing a blockbuster $3.75 billion takeover bid for Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, Nafaji was vice-chairman for the Phoenix Suns, also vice-chairman of McLaren Racing. But now to the big Premier League news that has really just enraptured The American side of the Premier League fan base, Jesse Marsh, Argent, yesterday was announced locked on to become the new Southampton manager. My Lord, how we danced. Today we found out it's not happening. Originally, the 49-year-old from Racine, Wisconsin, um, was said to be willing to become the manager and the favourite to become the manager had come to terms with bottom of the table, Southampton. And I was like, man. That is some challenge, but it's going to be easier to follow Nathan Jones, a beleaguered gent who lasted just 94 days and never won a single point at home, than to follow Marcelo Bielsa at Leeds, who essentially walked on water, turned water into wine at Ellen Road. I looked ahead. You had the Ash, Leeds, Southampton, 25th of February. It would have been incredible to see those tight grey denims back on the sideline at Ellen Road. But then news broke this morning, talks had broken down at the last. Southampton would not offer Jesse Marsh a long-term contract. Six months, they wanted him to the end of the season with an option to extend. Um, they talked about the sudden nature of discussions and their own precarious position, especially after the financial hit, which is paying off Nathan Jones um, three and a half months into, what was it? His three and a half year contract interim Ruben sell will be on the sideline against Chelsea this weekend. Southampton just looking like a mess, of chaotic disorganisation with their relatively new owners, really in a time of peril. I feel for Jesse. I know just how much he wanted to get back into the saddle, wanted to get back into the saddle in the Premier League. Um, but also, so there's an aspect to this, which is from from an American POV. I know there's a bottleneck at US soccer with the investigations into Rainer Gate and the football performance review of Burhalter, which is now being undertaken by a gent who's leaving, partially under investigation himself. But to not have a coach in place while all this is going down because we've got to wait that we have a whole procedure, we need a director of football first and a coach so self sabotaging, especially when Flo Balagan is banging in goals in France. He's US eligible. He needs to be courted some more to make him woo to our side and not to the English side. Oh, I'm just saying. Finally, a quick word on the Derby. Now, well, the joke Evertonians are telling each other is that all season we Blues have played so well against the big teams and struggled against the bad ones. Like Liverpool. But honestly, that loss absolutely crushed me. Look, I've made it clear going into the game, my expectations were low, very low, despite the fin frenzy around Deutsch's arrival. And Arsenal win that just raised expectations and wonder. At the fenestration of Arsenal, Everton had won just one of the last 24 Premier League derbies. Liverpool are bad, yes but we are badder. And the nature of the defeat, though, made me ache so truly, madly, deeply. The fact that Tarkovsky hit the post with his header, if that had gone in, how different could it have been? Liverpool, like, so emotionally fragile. But doinks, always do my team in, be it Everton, Origi, you. And the Bears, double doink, and within 15 seconds, Mo Salah charging, Pitford glitching, and the second goal. Oh, that second goal, Connor Cody, childhood Liverpool fan, never trust them, step over in his own area, but more than anything, both goals, the lack of bodies taking out Liverpool in transition, this is meant to be Deutsche Ball, and the lack of fight of it, all. Dwight McNeil, the worst player I've ever seen in an Everton shirt, Michalenko, sweet, sweet man, not a footballer, Liverpool. Thanks to Andy Robertson, even won the memes. And that Andy Robertson was not given any retribution for mocking us to our faces. It's almost as bad as a lack of goals. Where are they going to come from? Lose the leads at the weekend. And I fear what will happen to this club if the blue is off the Dutch Rose. My God, the Dutch Rose. What an oxymoron that is. Aaron Rodgers. It's talking about a four-day darkness retreat. Honestly, I'd hear about that. And I'm like, that's for amateurs. We Everton fans, we're in a 38-game darkness retreat. One that lasts for months and feels like it will never end. As for Liverpool, poor Gappo scored. Klopp fist pumped the cart. Liverpool finally won, but are they really back? Newcastle on Saturday will be the true, sterner, much sterner test. Dortmund 1-0 to Chelsea. Dortmund won, Chelsea 0, has just gone final. A really bright first half of football from Chelsea. João Felix really lifting the team, but the finishing was dire, utterly dire for Chelsea, and they were punished for their profligacy. With Dortmund screwing on the break, Adeyemi rounding Kepa, passing the ball deliriously into the net. Just an absolute delight and wonder. Uh, a cooler had one cleared off the line late, late, late. Koba had an incredible save on Enzo at the death, and a win, which will be the stuff of legend in Dortmund for at least the two uh, next two weeks. In the other Champions League game, Benfica two Club Brugge nil. Dominant performance from Benfica, who are the supplier of talent to the world. <laughs> Prize picks is the best way to get action on sports in more than 30 states across the country, including so many of my favorites California, Texas, and Georgia. Godspeed, Georgia. I'm hungry for a dozen lemon pepper wets. But back to prize picks. We've been hearing from so many WGFOPs who are loving double P. Pablo Picasso, prize picks, which allows them to win up to 25 times their money for the soccer season, is a reason I do appreciate Price picks because it's simple. During the Premier League match days, I've got roughly 239 tabs on my computer open as we attempt to work out our social media, the pod rundown, the upcoming interview, you get the drift. But because Price picks is easy to play, I'm not having to constantly click to see how my gents are doing or how many certain actions are worth. You to select two or more players, pick more or less on their projected stats, and you place your entry. That is how easy it can be. You also mix and match players from several leagues across the globe. Luca De La Torre, I'm looking at you, as well as other sports like basketball oh, and hockey, all the capitals. Download the app today. Use code MIB for a first deposit match of up to $100. It's promo code MIB. Price picks. Pick more or pick less. It's that easy. It's Rog here to tell you about a product that I simply adore. It's been a long-time staple in the Bennett Refrigerator, Stoke Cold brew coffee, always bold, always smooth. Yes, that is the very same Stoke as in the mighty Wrexham Fortress, known as the Stoke Kairas or the Stoke Racecourse, Wrexham AFC's home. They support it, they support football, which is just one great reason to love this coffee. It is my go to enjoy during the football calendar, essentially the opposite of Everton and you can check out their full lineup of 48 ounce cold brew products something for everybody from light to dark roast to seasonal favorites in a refrigerated multi-serve format I tell you this as someone whose blood type is now officially Stoke espresso blend have the coffee house experience in the comfort of your own home and do it now Stoke cold brew coffee and be sure to follow Wrexham AFC big love to all at Stoke Courage To your questions, if you've got a question, request the call-in. We'll move you to the stage. Just stay muted till we call your name. At which point, click the little red button at the top of your app. Buttar to unmute. Can be with us. oh Acris Enzo, can be with us. Tell us where you are and what's your question.
2: Hey, Rog, can you hear me? Uh, I'm from Cleveland, Ohio.
0: Well, like beautiful. I hear you loud and clear over.
2: Perfect. Uh, so, my question is: as a you know, lifelong Liverpool fan, why do I feel more schadenfreude when Arsenal and United lose than when City and Chelsea do? I, when they cut to the Arsenal fans after the Holland goal and you could just see their face drop, the wry smile of joy really filled me. And like Arsenal fan TV used to be must-watch television for me. Obviously it's been ruined recently, but just curious as to what that mentality I have is. Maybe a little psychology from you.
0: God. So you laugh when Arsenal lose and when Manchester United lose. Yeah, yeah, so very less much so. when, I mean, less When Chelsea lose and I, when Manchester like City lose.
2: I like it when City and Chelsea lose, obviously, but today I was very much in the corner of City losing. I don't know if that's because I, see, I like Liverpool being the rival throughout these last, the sole rival throughout these last few years with City. Or it's they haven't gone through, or the fact that City hasn't pushed Arsenal the way they've pushed us. So I'm. I'm how long have you,
0: long you been a Liverpool fan, Chris?
2: Uh, see, I'm. So I am from Akron, Ohio. So I started really following the Premier League around 2010 when uh, LeBron James, or when I'm sorry, when the, after the World Cup, and I kind of flirted with a bunch of teams, and after LeBron James took a minority sharehold. In Liverpool, I decided, well, that's my team because the Akron connection is just too strong.
0: So I've going to say, you are a relatively new fan in the pantheon of Liverpool's long and storied and wonderful history. But you've got old fan sensibilities. That's it's the only... The, I, I do wonder, and I've never really... Um, thought this one through deeply, but it may be, Chris Enzo, that you are, you know, made me believe in reincarnation because <laughs> the the um, honest truth is you have the sensibility of like a 60-year-old, 70-year-old fan who stood on the cop for decades. Who do we hate? We proper hate Manchester United. Liverpool and Manchester United were really death rivals in the most remarkable way. I mean, in the 80s, Liverpool and Everton. I mean, Everton were back then. This is hard to use your imagination for this. Everton were a real football club and not just a -a make-a-wish foundation for the likes of Cody Gakpo. But outside of the city of Liverpool, you used to take the train from Liverpool to Manchester or Manchester to Liverpool. And you could tell exactly where you were on the journey, how close to whom you were when the graffiti that said death to Scousers changed about halfway to FU uh, Manx. And the two cities truly were dread rivals. But Manchester City were innocuous. They were just like, they were like the Roger Clinton um, of Manchester. They were just, I mean, how could you hate Manchester City back then? They were just lovable, self-sabotaging, you know, up and down, playing glorious football for moments, but oh so fleetingly. They're even in the third level. There was no threat whatsoever. And the same with Chelsea. You know, I I want to make a podcast, to be honest, about the histories of this time. 80s, 90s, early 2000s, Chelsea were were just flamboyant. There was a flashness. They always had great shirts. They tried to play um, attacking, poetic football, but they were feeble. Um, They were so crushable. I I remember watching Everton uh, beat Chelsea 5-0, and it felt like Everton took uh, it easy on them in the um, the 80s. And so those are the two teams that you really have blinkers to emotionally, Chris. but those are the two new money teams. And so the only real answer I can have for your question is that you were reincarnated. You are from proper Liverpool stock. Yes, that fascinating Akron connection to Liverpool is what has made you return to the club. But your sensibilities of truly despising United, you know, the, the United for the greatest part of the time we've had Premier League broadcast in the United States under Rebecca just United have been... You know, yes, under Mourinho, second place, but mostly also runs. They were once the gold standard uh, of football, the truly great despised team. Um, And in the same way, Arsenal wrote before them, always 1-0 to the Arsenal, boring, boring Arsenal. You know, Highbury, a fortress, just a team that you hated um, if you were not an Arsenal fan. And so you have old school sensibility uh, is all I can say. Um, I'll also add, and I feel for Arsenal fans in this moment. If you cannot admire what um, Mikel Arteta has done, I do feel for you. I know football is parochial, and we're meant to, you know, hate the uh, rival, and we're meant to laugh at their uh, Schadenfreude, take pleasure in their defeat. But I admire so much the the second goal tonight that went in, uh, went in briefly uh, after Peter Drury had talked about this Arsenal who. Um, you know, have yearned and have dreamed and have had so many players prized from their hands because they couldn't afford to keep them because they didn't qualify for the Champions League. So perpetually fifth, think, hinting a little bit about the Manchester City, uh, the accusations, the Premier League accusations, started to talk about how Arsenal, what could have been if they qualified for the Champions League, the money they would have made, the games they would have played, the players they could have brought in, the players they could have kept. And I thought in that moment, you know, particularly that pain of Arsenal looking at Manchester City um, and thinking about the likes of um, Arsenal players who were prized away at the beginning of the Manchester City spell of dominance. Manchester City at the beginning, when they rose to become this Manchester City, it was Arsenal that they used as their almost their academy. Bakary Sanya, Kalo Toure, Gael Clichy, Emmanuel Adebayor, um, Samir Nasri. Um, to think of just uh, six players who were plucked from the Emirates to the Etihad, changing their choice of of golf sponsored airline stadium for which to play, and that agony tonight is both incredibly real. I mean, I'd love to know how Arsenal fans are, are feeling of their boys, how they're feeling as as fans, how they're feeling about this title race. Um, but I also admire so very much the job that. Arteta has done to shake off that feeling of inferiority and turn them into this clenched fist. I spoke to Martin Erdegaard. I think that's just gone up on YouTube, my interview. And he talked, you know, I talked about the pressure of a title race and they talked, he talked about how psychologically they're trying to keep things positive, optimistic, joyous to enjoy their experience. And I wonder how big a dent tonight put into that enjoyment come on up and be with us oh, if it isn't an old friend it's Jen Sykes
3: right hi Rog Jen Sykes from Hillsborough uh, currently suffering as a Chelsea fan that wasn't <laughs> fun um but actually my question tells off of Chris Enzo's uh for the past couple of weeks I've had some people come up to me and say they support Premier League teams because say Fenway Sports Group has a hand in Liverpool or, much like Chris described, LeBron, um, or someone saying, I will not support Man United because I hate Tampa Bay and Brady. So, is, this is my question getting more American owners involved to have ties to other sports teams. Do you think that's going to be a good gateway drug to get people to start paying attention to Premier League teams? And <sighs> is it justified? You know, having someone say, I support Liverpool because Fenway owns them was definitely surprising. But hey, if he's watching, why do I care?
0: I think it's an incredible question and it's something I'm increasingly interested in. Um, Just the, and we've talked about before, Jen Sykes, just the arbitrary um, nature of of football fandom in America and how tiny, tiny details um, of that emotional connection, the seeds of that emotional connection can ratchet into um, deep, meaningful lifelong bonds to friends within their own family you know, to, to to travel abroad to travel to europe to watch them I mean, it's incredible to me both the arbitrariness of um uh, 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 of the initial choice and then the depth um how incredibly driven american fans become despite that arbitrariness i've often talked about the guy who got a tottenham tattoo Uh, His last name was Thompson. Arsenal was sponsored by Thompson, the vacation uh, brand. Um, This is like 15 years ago. So just by the fact that his surname was the same surname as their sponsor, he chose Spurs and had fallen in love so deeply, he'd go over regularly to North London and even had the crest tattooed um, on his arm. It's incredible to me. And then you've got this moment which is deepening it in which... American sports investors are realizing that the next century is going to be a football century. That is the product which is going to animate um, both football, uh, both the sporting world and also the commercial world. You speak to these owners and talk to them about why they become owners of football teams. And they see the business opportunity. They see the sense that this sport is going to be so much bigger. Globally than any American um sports franchise can allow them to experience, but they also talk and this is really fascinating. They also talk about deal flow and this is was an anathema to me before I started to talk to owners. You know, one's who own baseball stadium like you know when you're a baseball owner, you have the local uh, college president coming uh, to the games and sit in your owner's box. You have the local police chief, you know you have the local um corporate commercial. CEOs, but it's fairly sleepy in their words. If you're in a Premier League director's box, you are rubbing shoulders with oligarchs, with shakes, with you know, just the global deal flow, which leads to investment opportunities outside of football, but in ways and connections you would never have dreamt about. So these American owners are flowing over there. It's remarkable. I mean, this Spurs story is one to watch and one to understand and one to try and uh, analyze. But it looks like there is going to be at least another. Everton are also um, said to be changing hands. Leeds is about to become fully American. Um, There's going to be an absolute uh, moment of just American domination. Uh, I mean, you're going to have it all the way down the lower league. So many Guys are looking at what wrecks them. Oh, you can do it for that much money? Um, I mean, it's crazy. And so you do have this collision of interest. And, Jenny, I think it, it's, it, it's complicated because, you know, I, I, there's fans of, uh, of Chelsea who are Red Sox fans. Their team suddenly by Liverpool, that's a complicated one. I think for for newer fans, I think it's a natural fit. I think it's a deeply so like your identity is at war with yourself um, and then the Burley purchase of Chelsea, a lot of Dodgers fans already had pre-baked football teams. That's a, and yet to me, this is pretty fascinating. And If you are listening to this and you um, uh, have lived a different experience of what I'm about to say, please drop us a line, meninblazers at gmail.com. I have not met a single or heard from a single human being who, um, has become a Chelsea fan because of Todd Burley. Now, I have not heard that. I'm nope. a Dodger. I've been a multi-generational Dodger. And as soon as we we took over Chelsea Football Club, I, I changed my club uh, and became a Chelsea fan or fell in love with oh, Chelsea. So, so I think it's I, a complicated one that's going to go many ways.
3: Yeah, I can tell you a story. I watched, when I found out Bowley was an alum of my college, I was watching the Chelsea Spurs game where Conti and Tuchel had that little fight uh with a buddy of mine who's also a william and mary alum and i was like come on stop being a spurs fan be a chelsea fan he went to our college and my friend's like nope not happening
0: (laughs) (laughs) oh you sent me some. you sent me a speech you had done at william and mary right
3: uh yeah i did yeah she gives some insights into um what he's actually thinking (laughs)
0: Oh, well, it's nice to know and reassuring Jen Sykes that he is thinking something. God, speed <laughs> to William and Mary. Right
3: <laughs>
1: That's Alienware.com slash deals. New Year's is now in the rearview mirror. By now, some of the excitement about our New Year's resolutions may be dying down, much like my excitement for Chelsea Football Club as we get further and further into the season. If you're looking for performance apparel that can help give you the extra push you need to keep up with your health goals, Viore has you covered. Viore creates incredibly versatile and comfortable activewear designed to look great in everyday life in and out of the gym, or in my case, on or off the tennis court. Plus, Viore is 100% off their carbon footprint by offsetting 100% of their plastic footprint from 2019 and beyond. They are utilizing better sustainable materials for their products, empowering your best active life. With Viore, you can feel good about the things you buy and also how they are made. Viore is an investment in your happiness for our listeners. They are offering 20% off your first purchase. Get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet at viore.com M-I-B. That's vuor dot slash M-I-B. Not only Will you receive 20% off your first purchase, but enjoy free shipping on any U.S. orders over $75 and free returns? Trust me, go to viore.com slash MIB and discover the versatility of Viore clothing.
0: What a joy it is to see this human being's name. Longtime GFOP, I recognize it from our socials going way past. Come on up, at Joey Duda, a mute, tell us where you are and watch your question?
3: Hey, Raj. I'm still in Massachusetts. Still supporting Liverpool. Sorry about Monday's result. Uh, I thought if that ball went in, if Tarkovsky had scored, it'd be. I don't think we would have come back. But uh, courage, Raj. I think you guys are going to pull it up. Uh, I was just wondering what you think about what's going on over in the Bundesliga. It seems like there's an actual title race this year. It's very interesting, and we got one in the Premier League. Uh, you know, I was wondering how your shot is doing. There seem to be bottom of the table so that's all
0: you yeah god everyone I support is just turning to crap I am a Schalke fan um and god that is like a club that is in a death spiral as if existing only to try and prove to me that Everton are not the worst run club uh in the world in the same way as the Canadian um the football association seems to be in existence only to prove that uh, maybe after all, US soccer do know their stuff. It's a crazy time, and I actually worry about my fandom of uh, the US men and the US women whether I am dragging them down and I am the one holding them back. Because my god, Schalke, Chicago Bears losing all the way to the number one draft pick, Everton Football Club. You are a very generous man, Joey Duda. I do think, by the way, yes, of course. The game would have been different if Tarkovsky had angled that header just millimetres to the right, but he didn't. That is how football works. You can't be hypothetical about, uh, we can't be hypothetical about anything. If the plot against Hitler had succeeded, <laughs> would the war have ended quicker? We cannot analyse history like that. It doesn't help anybody. Um. So, my God, you're a big-hearted man. I know just how much Liverpool Football Club mean to them. And when you talked about your Liverpool fandom at the beginning, your question, the tone, the sadness, just the nature of how bereft you are as a Liverpool fan right now ahead of that Newcastle clash was evident uh, to all. But it is a wild time in European football. In the Premier League, we got ourselves a title race. And Marcus Rashford uh, today, going back to Chris Enzo's question about laughing at defeat uh, Marcus Rashford posted on his Insta story just a photo of Harlan doing his Sally uh, where he tries to spin the, uh, his, his finger around in the air as if to say, "I he's he was laughing at Arsenal, which I don't think is really the Rashford way. I think it was more like title race. This is a three-way title race, and we are all doing this, but we've got ourselves a real joyous uh, title race with, with 15, 16 games to go. Um, and in Germany. You know, there's a real bloody title race, um, mostly because Bayern are, um, have been insipid since the World Cup break, um, just unconvincing. Even, even when they've won, um, they've impressed few, have uh, been berated by their manager, um, and they have been pursued by Union Berlin, um, you know, the team that Jordan Pifok built, um, and Dortmund. Um, coming to life, coming to life, finding goals, finding joy again with the return of Sebastian Allaire. And all three teams are separated by just three points. Talked about all of that this week on European Nights, which episode one of season two, a podcast I'm so proud of. Um, And Rory Smith said that the Bundesliga title almost means nothing to Bayern Munich because they win it so often. But this year, when we could see it change, I bet this will be this will be if they win it, which I still think they will one of their most joyous. We get deep into that in this week's episode of your own nights. Um, find that, revel in it. And the way that Dortmund operate, the way they recruit players to sell them on, mean that this Dortmund challenge, this delirious Dortmund challenge, is always always a challenging transition, often a fleeting challenge come to us as a young prospect, play, gel in the team, and then we will break up that team and sell you on. We promise we'll sell you on um, when the time is right. But make that time count and we'll make a fist of it. And that's what we're seeing uh, over in the Bundesliga. I feel for the Bundesliga. I really do. um, Eight years ago, nine years ago, they had the real shapings of a league that was coming. Um, I remember writing a piece for ESPN. It was when um, English teams beat themselves up so badly in the Premier League race that um, we were blessed with, um, ultimately, we were blessed with the Dortmund Bayern final. Um, and I did a piece about the other leagues um, and how they could engage fans uh, as the Premier League had an off year in the Champions League. And it really did feel, you know, well, Bama Yangs Dortmund. Lewandowski's Bayern Munich. It really felt um like oh, it felt like Bundesliga coming. And I remember the Fox then brought the rights to the Bundesliga and tried to make it a priority. Um, but the challenge just of Dortmund just fizzed away, just became an empty um fist. And just the sense of a league that was building, a league that was truly a threat, a league that could truly engage the American fan base uh, fritted away. I always thought Steve Gerundolo alone uh, would pull that off. But the Bundesliga seems to be um, one which is always um, about to rear its head and to see this kind of title race, this kind of deliriousness, this kind of authentic passion and wonder. God bless. I watch every Freiburg home game that I can. I just adore um, watching their lore, their narrative, um, their sense of value as a club shine through but god bless the Bundesliga, and i hope to get over to germany this season um it's one that i revel in at every single bloody opportunity that is it for tonight before we go a quick announcement about everything happening at men in blazers world headquarters for the rest of this week tomorrow we're going to launch a quite spectacular podcast with the one and only double d daryl dk is the last um, episode of American States United uh, before we pivot into telling the stories of the leagues uh, with ESPN. This podcast is presented by ESPN+. Plus. Please don't miss this beauty. Daryl goes deep on his road back from injury. What it was like to watch the World Cup as a fan, which was a wonder and an agony for him. And the interview's emotional crescendo using dishwashing detergent in his washing machine in England. You can also look for that on our YouTube page on which we're dropping so much content. Subscribe, 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 and we're back Friday with the Raven Newsletter. Sign up to receive that at meninblazers.com. New episode of WGFOP Weekend Preview. I want to raise this shot of Jägermeister, though, to the U.S. women who begin the She Believes Cup such an awful name for a trophy. And until they call the Gold Cup, he believes we've all got to find a better name for it. But it kicked off tomorrow night on Turner, HBO, USA, facing up to mighty regional rivals, Canada, who are currently embroiled in a truly awful Cold War with their own federation. The players trained today, wearing their training shirts inside out so no one can see their Canadian crests. And we all know, the Canadian Federation surely know this is a battle against our own players, their own Olympic gold medal winning players that they cannot win. Godspeed to the players. For the Americans, so much to prove of the World Cup speeding towards us at pace. No Rose Lavelle, out with a knock. Speedy return to health, Rose, but we wish them strength and the ability to deliver a true statement of intent. Courage. <laughs> Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Men in Blazers ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com slash survey.